Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest is a unique fella, and he's been on here before. He is a production and carry optics GM. He placed fifth at carry optics nationals, which may have very well been the deepest, most competitive field the USPSA has ever witnessed. On top of that, he just completed hand or competed at handgun nationals back in Marengo, but not in the division you would expect. Not production and not limited optics. Nope. After my conversation with Tyler Turner, I feel as though I should queue up Matchbox 20 unwell. You guessed it. He competed in Revolver where he placed seventh. I think in him and Jay Slater just became best friends. So if you would, join me in welcoming back to the show, Garen Singleton. Man, I appreciate you having me back on here. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think you just got the longest intro in the history of the Casual Shooter Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel honored about that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So first off, too bad there are copyright laws because if it, because if there weren't, I would have played Walking in Memphis. <laughs> You've been on here before, so we don't have to go through all the, oh, what what's your favorite this and favorite that. Mm-hmm. But you do live in Memphis, so do you, which is a city of blues. Do you ever visit any of those places? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I try to avoid those places. I try to avoid tourist traps the best I can. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fair everybody, enough. everybody thinks Beale Street and all that's super cool, but to to a local, it's like, eh. All right. So, what about Memphis barbecue? It's some of the best in the country. All right. Some of the best. It's, least... it's great. There, there are a lot of hidden gems in downtown Memphis. That's that's really good barbecue. Mm. All right. Well, if I ever pass through, I'm going to be hitting you up for a recommendation. Come on with it. We'll we'll go visit some good spots. I like it. You've had a busy year. One of the busiest I've had in my in my career over the past been shooting for eight almost eight years now, I believe. One of the busiest years I've I have had. All right. So when did you start when did your season with Carry Optics Nationals in June? Mm-hmm. When did your season start? It started around I wanna say I started really getting back into it around end of February or so. I tried to I always try to take a couple, at least a couple months off season, just so I don't get burned out and you know have time to celebrate the holidays and and spend time with family and whatnot and focus on some other stuff. But my my 2023 season started in mid to late February, I want to say. Okay. Now, was that actual live fire, or is that just getting back in with dry fire and that? That was that was just getting back into dry fire. My my schedule is is pretty busy, and and my funds don't really. Uh, really let me dry live fire as much as I wish I could. So most of my training consists of dry fire and shooting local matches. That's what I really use for my training. So when did your, when did your live fire kick in then? The, my first live fire training was probably, let's see, nationals was like, I believe the third weekend of June, like June 21st, 23rd, somewhere through there. Yeah. Beginning, very beginning of June. I kind of kept it, I wanted to, to really focus really hard on training right before nationals. So, and I had a bunch of other majors coming up. I shot Kentucky the weekend before nationals. So oh, okay. I really, I really ramped up the training up until I left for Kentucky. And then I kind of dialed it back and just really focused on the fundamentals of dry fire and whatnot the week of not nationals. Okay. Yeah. It was the 23rd was day one. So mm-hmm. I assume you started shooting just the locals there, what, yes. March, April timeframe then? Mar- March, April timeframe. I believe I shot the Ozark Classic, which is the Missouri sectional. I, th- I want to say that was in mid-March, which that was my first major of the of the season. Now, have, do you normally shoot a major that early, or was that just because of nationals? That was – it's – I really look at the calendar and see what's available. I like, I always try to shoot something new and I had shot the Missouri before and a bunch of my local buddies wanted to do it. So I was already ready to do it. And I knew that nationals was, was coming up really early. So I wanted to get, get deeper into the training and deeper into the, the, the mindset kind of thing of major matches. 
with nationals in June. Normal the year before it was September. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking a good two and a half months earlier. Mm. Did you do, did you basically take 2022's training and just compress it into yes. a shorter time frame? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I, I guess kind of, so the, my training schedule looked, I want to say about five weeks before nationals, five days a week, I got off work. I went to the gym, I came home and I dry fired no matter how tired I was, no matter what was going on in my life. Those were, that was my main priority with those two things, gym and dry fire. You know, both of those things are super important for our sport, you know, stay, stay athletic and, and, you know, keep a strong fun, you know, foundation of, of yourself and then followed up immediately by dry fire. Now dry fire wasn't always fun. Like after a good leg day, I was kind of hard to stand, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I I somehow made it. Sometimes I did seated dry fire, but I made it happen. Oh, that's funny. Oh, today's a good day for a seated start. (laughs) It it really was. There were were a couple of times I did a whole bunch of table starts from, from seated. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Nils actually had to do that at IDPA worlds. I just watched that. That was that was the most beautiful unloaded start I've ever seen. That was a good one. That's an interesting stage too. How that it triggers was. that drop turner. I like it. That. Looked it looked like it was it was something to do with where the gun was sitting, wasn't it? I That's what it looked tell. like. Yeah, it, it almost looked like, like the when gun, you picked the gun up. Yeah, exactly. It actuated or, or it something, a, or it was a pressure switch in front of the trigger guard. I guess so. When you picked it up, it it still hit it somehow. It's very, yeah, very interesting, neat. very, very technical. I, I like that. All right. Now, so let's talk CO Nats for a moment. You, let's do it. You had a great finish. You were fifth. And again, that's not like a normal fifth place finish. No, sir. No, it was definitely not. You literally had, uh, I mean, I've, I've not seen a field that deep. The only one I would go back to is when I talked to Nils um, and we were talking about this year coming up, how he expected it to be super deep. Um, And last year's was too. Um, The last time he said he had seen a field that deep was all the way back in like 2012 or 2014 when he won limited. And he said that was a big win for him because everybody shot limited that year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I compare, I go back and use that for that comparison. Right. Yeah. yeah that was 20, 2015, 2016 was, uh, was right before I started shooting majors. That was right. As I started shooting was late 2015 was when I shot my first match. So yeah, it would have been right before that then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, now, were you on the super squad? I was on super squad B. So they okay. had two super squads this year. They had their their traditional top 12 finishers of last year. And then they had a super squad B, which was the way that Andrew Hyder and I described it was just a bunch of idiots that are really good at shooting guns. So it was it was a whole bunch of people that have been <laughs> on the super squad before or have you know even made national titles before. I'm probably going to leave out a couple people, but it was myself, Andrew Hyder, Shane Coley, uh, let's see, John Browning, Aaron Eddins, Jacob Hetherington, Christian Seiler. There were a couple other people that aren't coming immediately to mind, but some super high level shooters. So you basically mm-hmm. had, you know, I think it was 12 people a squad. So you had 24 people who were able to win the match. All, yep. all, all possess the the skills and the the time behind the gun necessary to to pull off that win. Yeah, I mean, um, well, you were fifth coming out of there. Christian Seiler was first. Jacob was third. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was every bit. You could make the argument it was a better squad than Super Squad A, just the, based on those three. The atmosphere was definitely. I would, I would say better than, than all of my years on the, the, the quote unquote real super squad. Really? Yeah, it was, it was a very just kind of relaxed, you know, we're all there to have fun. 
we're all there to win, but we're also just kind of, you know, it was a very chill, very good, good atmosphere for the entire match. We all just had a blast, a bunch of laughs. It was, it was an absolute blast. Okay. I'm pulling up the um, scores real quick. Cause I want to see, I don't remember off hand John Vlieger. I don't know if he was on a or B, but he was on a, okay. So you had Nils and John from a, they were second and fourth and first, third and fifth all came from B. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, I mean, when you finished on Sunday and you found out you were fifth, how did you feel about your results? Man, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty surprised. Now I, really? I, pers- I personally felt like I shot a, a good, decent match. You know, I came into the match wanting to have a really high points percentage because I just finished Kentucky the the week before and I had shot the most consistent best match I'd ever shot in my career. I think I shot 93, 94% points and barely edged out John Leaguer for first. So I had that, that was kind of my, my mental boost. Like I, I can do this. I just got to stay consistent. I had a couple of, of little hiccups on small stages, but all the big stages I was able to keep, keep my feet on the ground and, and really focus and push hard. And I was extremely pleased with my, with my finish for that match. It was something that I will forever remember and be very, very honored for. Okay. Now, do you, do you know in hindsight now what it was that caused those hiccups? Uh, there were a couple of, I had a couple of high primers that really cost, you know, a, you know, a second here or there, but other than that, it was just not quite being patient enough on the dot and pulling, pulling shots weird. Mm-hmm. So is that something you are trying to work out in training or is it, you just think it's just a matter of staying focused? Yeah, it's just a matter of staying focused. It seems like once you get in that top 10, anyway, it's all, it has very little to do with ability and it has way more to do with mental focus one being consistent mm. i believe i believe it was jj told me i want to say it was carry optics nationals of 2022 when i was on the super no yes when i was on the super squad we were talking and i believe it was jj Phil Strader and maybe one other person. I don't remember who it was. We're, we're talking about skill sets and, and what it, what it really takes to be a top, a top competitor. And JJ's said, man, you're on the super squad. You've already proven that you have the skills. Now mm-hmm. it's time to prove that you can execute a hundred percent of the time. And that's, that's where you see the difference. You know, you have people that, that train all the time, but they go to matches and they can't deal with the match pressure or they have, you know, other, other problems that they can't deal with. And then you have other people who don't train very often, but are super good with dealing with pressures like that, that it doesn't really phase them. Do you, do you think that right there, even though I, well, I'll tell you what I think you tell me if you agree and if, whether you do or not, why, um, but I feel like those people, like you could have a little less skill, but if you have better mental game, you can kind of make up for it. And I'm not talking about a big gap in skill, but just a right. little bit. You know, it could yeah. be the difference between a third and a fourth or a second and a third. Oh, absolutely. I would say that the the mental side of the shooting is far more important than the gun manipulation, right? So you can have... You can have a sub-second reload, which is super cool, looks great on Instagram, but if you can't perform that all the time because you're you're too worried about your pressure that's building up at a match, that doesn't really get you anywhere, right? But the right. ability to execute time after time after time, that's what gets you somewhere. That's that's the that's the consistency and the execution of it. That's why I'm going with a magwell the size of a gallon jug for limited optics. I'm coming for you, Jay Beal. <laughs> Man, I so I've shot I've shot open twice. I will tell you, you can miss those magwells. <laughs> I saw someone fumble one. I'm like, how do you miss? But I'm sure you can. It's it no different easy. than a an NFL wide receiver 
the ball's right here and it hits him in the hands and hits the ground. Yeah, exactly. He's like, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is surprisingly easy to miss those big magwells. <laughs> oh man. Do you talk to your gun then too? Son of a. All, all the time. <laughs> me, me and my gun have a great relationship. Most of the time it's I'm cussing myself out, not even the gun or the target. Exactly. I'm usually <laughs> cussing myself. The gun's doing what it's supposed to. Exactly. The idiot I'm behind not, the gun isn't. It's a loose nut behind the butt plate, as they say. Uh, all right. So I, I've overheard some, you know, some conversations at Super Squad, only a couple, um, just, you know, watching the competition. But when you and JJ have that conversation, how does that even start? Like, how does that conversation even come about? Man, I, from what I remember, I don't think we were just standing there just talking. I think we saw somebody shoot a really good stage one stage, and then we saw somebody else kind of tank it. And we're like, well, you know, you got to be able to execute. And that's kind of where it kicked off from what I remember. You know, mm. random conversations like that kick up all the time when you're just standing around watching these super high-level guys. You know, a lot of people look at look at those guys like robots. And it's 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 amazing to be able to get – first-hand view of that so i saw you on the super squad in 22 at cmp mm -hmm. i saw you shoot a few times mm -hmm. was that that was your first time on the super squad right that was my first time on carry optic super squad okay mm -hmm. so was there is there any even before when you were on a super squad before that then mm -hmm. is there any additional pressure that first time you're on the super squad a lot Definitely. Cause <laughs> okay. there, there's, there's a whole lot. Once you, after the first time it's, you know, you, you kind of get on a first name basis with everybody and you kind of, you know, good, good buddies with them and you can just kind of relax. But that first time, you know, I remember my first time I shot my first nationals in Frostproof, Florida in 2019. It was production. I want to say it was okay. production and limited i think it had some weird mix i don't remember exactly what it was it was production and carry optics i was there was it production and carry optics? okay yeah it was yep. some weird mix yeah so i shot that that was my first nationals i'd ever shot i followed up with 2020 same same location frost proof in mm -hmm. production and man that first stage there was a lot of pressure for sure <laughs> you know i had okay i had all these people that i have watched growing up you know, I watched JJ on Top Shot. I watched right. a couple other people on Top Shot. Like, yeah, all these people I've watched growing up and getting into the sport, I watched them figure it out and I, I learned from them. And now I'm on the same squad shooting with them. So it was it was a lot of pressure that first stage, but I, I will never forget. It was a very tough stage. Every target was Ipsix at like 25 yards. And it was a great stage design. You had a lot of options, but the way we ended up breaking it down was you drew, shot 10 rounds, reloaded, ran over to another spot, shot 10 rounds, reloaded, ran all the way across the stage yep. and shot and shot the remaining 10 rounds. Everybody on the super squad had mics on that stage. That oh, was my, wow. that was my turning point. I think I was like sixth or seventh in, in, you know, in the lineup and I'm watching JJ have a mic. Siler have not Siler, but Shane Coley have a mic, and I'm like, man, these people are just human. They're not robots. They're not superhumans. They're just human making the same things that making the same mistakes that I'm making. They're just doing it way faster and look way better at doing it. I want to be like them. Yeah, and that was a huge lateral stage because mm -hmm. when you and when you did draw, you still had to take like one one and a half step to the left. Yep, mm -hmm. shoot like you said. And then it was like a 15 yard sprint to the far mm -hmm. left corner shoot. And then it's like a 35 yard sprint all, all the, the way, way to the across. other side. Yep. Mm -hmm. And reloading as you're going. Yep. And get, yep. yep. I yeah, have a whole I, bunch I, of pictures. I enjoyed. Yeah, it was a good stage for pictures. They had a lot of good pictures coming yes. off of that stage. I, I enjoyed the, those matches down in, in Florida. They had some really good stages. I agree. That was also the year, if I remember correctly, stage 19 had that big stage where you had that 40 yard, 42 yard target all, all the way down, all the, the way end. down yep. in the back corner. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was that target. That was that. That was that year. I love that stage too. 
<laughs> that was a fun stage, but we were you, we were had you to shooting, shoot were you shooting carry optics. I was. I was not on the super squad just for, you know, I want to make that <laughs> but, clear, <laughs> but you had a dot. So that 45 yard target wasn't that hard. No, it wasn't. But what, what made it difficult was we were lucky enough to shoot that our first stage on day two. And that was when that torrential downpour. So you guys just finished mm -hmm. shooting. Mm -hmm. It was pouring down rain. Um, there, it was bagged. So mm -hmm. it just looked like a blob. You know, so I'm actually very happy I had a dot because that made it easier just to put it in the center of the target. And even oh, then, the I think I, yep, I think I still had a delta on the bottom. Mm -hmm. So I, I had been aiming, even then I aimed a little lower than I should have. Yeah, so. that was, that was a lot of fun stage. I shot that and that I drew to that target because that was about the only way you could shoot that, that position. And so shooting a shadow too, you know, a lot of people worried about the double action on, on targets like that. Now, since I shot revolver, I'm not really worried about double action anymore. <laughs> but I, I drew to that target and I called the first shot a little weird. And I sent, I ended up sending three at it for a makeup and I had three alphas almost touching. I'm like, okay, oh, wow. maybe that shot wasn't as weird, but it was just something in that sight picture that I saw that didn't, didn't quite look right. Right. That's mm. interesting. Mm. So, yeah, it was, that was, um, it wasn't my best placing stage, but I felt like that was actually my best performance on a Execution stage. Execution of a stage. Yeah. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was it. That did. I, I, and it's fun. I like stuff like that. I like, I say this all the time on the podcast. If I'm going to shoot a nationals, I don't care what my classification is. I don't care mm -hmm. that that nationals is there to determine a national champion. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be set up for those guys, for mm -hmm. you guys on the super squad. That's what it needs to be designed for. And every, the rest of us are just going to, you know, suck dust, but mm -hmm. we're going to do what we can. And, and I find it fun to try to shoot the same stages, the same targets at the same speed with the same points, you know, mm -hmm. that's what makes it fun. Oh yeah. That's absolutely what makes it fun is everybody, it's I've always told people like at our local matches setting up stages like they want to make it easier and you know especially for like the the the, the older crew who who don't want to run as much or, or shoot as hard targets and whatnot I'm like guys right make it make it challenging it's the only way you're going to get better at stuff especially we're fortunate enough here in Memphis that we have a bunch of we have a, a, a good amount of older shooters we have quite a few younger shooters that have a lot of potential and that's how you get better is you shoot harder stages at locals. That way, when you show up and shoot a 32 round, you know, field course with a lot of movement at a major match, it's not something unusual to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you have any plans on shooting area eight next year? It's in I am Pennsylvania. Looking, I am looking into it. I know I want to, sh I haven't shot many area matches. I've only ever shot one and it was area six in 2017, I think. Wow. I it was in Georgia and I was I was there and I'm like, yeah, I might as well shoot it. And that was a very wet match. It it downpoured worse than it did in frostproof. Oh wow. And it was it was very wet. In those days I was shooting an MP in production, so it was very slippery. And I did not have <laughs> I did not have a good time shooting in the rain. Does somebody but, have any travel stippling? I need some travel stippling I, on my gun. <laughs> I did learn a very valuable lesson at that match is to put grip tape on the bottom of your base pads of your magazines. Mm. So when your hands are wet and you go to seat the magazine, you still have a, a, a grippy spot Friction. to hit your palm. Yeah. Now you have to be Makes careful sense. with it depending on your magazines, like MBXs and maybe some tearing, you know, magazines with tearing base pads. If you put the grip tape all the way around the base pad, you'll fail mag gauge because it's too long then. Uh, so okay i put it i put it just in the half the front half of the base pad gotcha just just it gives this, you just enough spot. friction exactly it gives you just enough surface contact of that grip tape that it really helps maintain control of that magazine in any any environment i've shot you know at carry optics nationals this year it was it was very wet and i have i run mbx magazines in my in my shadow too and I didn't have any issues holding on the magazines. So 
shooting area six that year wasn't very much fun, but I, I learned a very valuable lesson that I have, I have carried through my entire career since then. So I'm looking at different area matches. I know I want to shoot area six, no matter where it is. I, I've heard very small rumors that it might be in Talladega. None of, none of that has been confirmed yet, but no matter where it is, I'm going to shoot it because it, I think it's important for me as a, as an area six resident to shoot that, especially at a, at a level that I'm at now in my career. And I'm looking for one other area match. I don't know where it's going to be. I've heard a lot of good things about area eight. Well, I've been getting a lot of insider information. Mm -hmm. Um, there's going to be some very unique targetry there. Interesting. Yeah. So at your level, I think it would be a good challenge for you too. I From like what I'm seeing and hearing, I I'm excited. Like I haven't, I haven't, I went to area eight, two years in a row when it was in West Virginia, mm -hmm. Northern West Virginia, right there at the Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia junction. Mm -hmm. Um, but since they moved it up to Pennsylvania, I haven't made the trip, but after the information I'm getting, I'm like, Oh, I may have to, even if I don't go shoot it, I may just have to go up there and get some video footage of it. It's going to be very, very interesting. Well, I'll definitely have to definitely have to maybe put that one on the calendar and see, see yeah, when it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's June. It's earlier than normal. Um, so it won't be super hot, but I'm pretty sure it's in June. I was just who I forget. I know, I know carry optics, uh, nationals is also going to be in June again this year. Yeah. And it might be two weeks before June 6th. Yep. Interesting. I might, might have to, might have to look at that one for sure. Yeah. So it's like two to three weeks before nationals with some very challenging, um, stages to say the least. Um, might be I'll, a I'll very good warm up. <laughs> it might be. I'll have to see when I'll have to see when Kentucky is again cuz Kentucky Kentucky is always on my list of majors to shoot. Lath puts on a a heck of a match every year. Oh, the low cap? The the low cap, but he also runs the the section match. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't have that one out yet. Yeah, I didn't see it. I kind of, I kind of looked the other day. I'm already starting. Yeah, I haven't even started my off season. I'm already starting to plan my my next season. <laughs> I know. it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it's, it's a it's a wonderful life we live, though. Yeah, for We're sure. Very very blessed to have this life for sure. We are now. I want to go back to something you said when you were in Georgia and it rained. You were using the MMP. It was slick. Mm -hmm. Do you use the the liquid chalk? I did hands? not. At, I did not at that point. I I do now, and it's it's definitely a game changer. Because I can't use that stuff because it makes my hands slippery. Interesting. What what brand do you use? Do you use Pro um, Grip? It was Pro Grip. Interesting. So I I don't use I don't use Pro Grip. I use a. There are two types. I think it's. I remember the name of it. I can I can find it. I'll send it to you later. But it is a, is like Pro Grip, but it's it dries way faster, and it doesn't leave any weird residue. So you know how Pro Grip le leaves this like white residue on your hands, and it gets all of your clothes and your gun. This doesn't leave any, and it all it does for me at least is keeps me from sweating. It kind of dries okay. up all my sweat, and it just keeps my hands from sweating. They also come out came out with a like a chocolate. It's almost like a baby powder, but it does the same thing. It kind of it any moisture that's on your hands, it makes it sticky almost for some people that's why i don't really like the liquid grip or the or the pro grip is because it makes it sticky and it makes it kind of weird i don't like holding a gun and I'm, and I'm stuck to it now see i'm the exact opposite i want mm -hmm. i want to go back to the 1970s with fred Bolitnikoff and lester hayes and their stick them mm -hmm. i want like gobs <laughs> of stick them on my hands mm -hmm. but i i can't use that that and I think it was actually, I said, I said pro grip. It was the stuff that's supposed to dry clear on your hands. Interesting. Uh, but mm -hmm. it, I, I tried using it at a match and it just, I just felt like right. I had less grip on the gun. Mm. Like it was, yeah, I couldn't get a good bite on it. I was like, mm, this is, I gave it to, uh, as a matter, I tried using it. I forget which match I was at. 
and it didn't work. And I gave it to Frank Shu at nationals down in CMP. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like, Are you I'll... sure? I don't want to take it from you. I'm like, Frank, I, I can't use this thing. Yeah. It makes my it's, it's, make, it's making it worse. I can't do it. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to do some research and, and see if I can find something for you to use. I've, I've used a whole bunch of different products. You know, if I'm out, I go borrow a buddy's mine. He might have something different. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a try. And like right. there's one that's liquid gold that works really well. Pro Grip seems to work really well for, for some people. But I've also noticed there are some that kind of feel slippery at some point. And it's it's not a good feeling when you're on deck and you, you put your you put your Pro Grip on. You're like... Why is, why, why is this not drying? Why does it feel like I just put Dawn dishwashing soap on my hands? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking like blue Loctite style. <laughs> Grip, you, you, you know? You can, you can, you can Cerakote your gun blue, then you don't even notice when, when there's blue stuff all over your gun grip. There you go. No one will ever know. No one will it's ever know. Painted. Exactly. Now, did the, uh, did the, so while we're talking weather, did the, did the weather at CO Nats get you at all? Not really, honestly. Okay. Uh, I kind of, we, we lucked out on our squad. It rained. So we were on PM, AM, PM. It rained right. day 1 PM off and on, but it wasn't anything like AM. AM got hammered. Uh, they PM got the kind of AM got the downpour. PM was kind of hit or miss. And, I don't really mind shooting in the rain. I don't like shooting with bad targets, but you know, it's, it is what right. it is. It's, it's a, it's a necessary evil sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, like a lot of the, a lot of day one, like I didn't wear a rain jacket. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get wet. I'm, I'm, I'm already out here. Let's just do this. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it, it's back to the whole mindset thing. If you, if you go into the mindset of, man, this is really going to suck. I'm going to be wet all day. My gear is all going to be wet. You're going to be miserable all day. Yep. But if you go if you go into it with a well, it is what it is. Let's just make it happen. Let's see what we can do. And like everybody on the squad was just you know very very happy, very very giddy, laughing all day. You know nobody was like, man, this sucks. So it was it was a great and great environment. We all kind of our performance kind of went downhill on that day because of the bad targets and because of the difficulty of the targets. You know, those half ipsticks that are split right down the middle, they're, they're nothing to play with. They're serious targets for sure. Right. And when they're at, when they're at 20 yards with a bag on them, makes it even more, even more of a tough target. And that's the one thing I did like about Frostproof was, you know, it wasn't, you knew the rain, unless it was forecast to rain all day, you know, you get thunderstorms rolling through there or rain, you know, rolling through there but it's short, it's warm. So even mm -hmm. if you got wet, you know, you're going to dry quick. So you don't have exactly. to wear all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, that, that was the beautiful nice. thing about having it at, at in June was it was warm. Yeah. I think it was mid eighties. I want to say upper, upper eighties, low nineties, maybe. So we were all wearing shorts and our jerseys and we're not cold. You put your rain jacket on, you start sweating. So you're going to get wet anyways. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and that's not a fun wet. When that's you're not sweating a fun wet. Inside. I, I ended up putting my umbrella that I have for my for my cart. I opened it up to keep my gear dry. Threw my rain jacket over my gear, and I just yeah, you know, I put a I put a rain bag. I have a Perfect. pack of shower shower caps that I bought at Walmart for like ninety nine cents. They're super great. There you go. Covered the gun, covered the mags, just did my thing. And that's what I learned at Frostproof was the old ninety nine cent shower caps yep 99 cent bag of 50 at walmart shower caps there you go mm -hmm. now what did you think of the range facility there at cardinal shooting center i i love the facility i think it's a i think it's one of one of the best ones in in the country that i've been to now i haven't been out west to see to some of those but every facility that i've been to i think it's one of the best for sure I okay. really enjoyed the facility. There was no, you know, I enjoy CMP, but the parking is kind of difficult, especially when you have that many competitors and parking at CO nationals wasn't an issue because there was, there was so much room up there while we were having CO nationals. They also had, I believe the high school trap nationals at the other, at the shotgun facility. So they had another several thousand people over there. And we wow. were all able, we were all able to do our own thing and, and, you know, had plenty of parking, plenty of space. It was, it was fantastic. Wow. That says a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty solid right there. Now you were back there again though for handgun national. So it was. same thing, plenty of room. Yeah, exact no same thing. Plenty of room. They kind of moved the vendors around so they were a little better located for people to people to kind of incremental with with them. And it was it was definitely a better better setup. You know, CO Nationals was the first time they had it up there, so there was some kinks yeah. that they had to work out. Right. And they really they, I definitely think they learned some valuable lessons and kind of moved some stuff around so you can yeah, when you're on your break, you can go. You can go visit the the vendors and the the sponsors who are make make our sport possible. All right, well that's good. I mean, it's always not, look. I expect there to be kinks the very first time. They Absolutely, hold a match somewhere. You know, you're going to have to figure, and you don't know until you get that many people there, and you're like, eh, it could have been a little better, mm-hmm. but that's part of learning. So, and it sounds Absolutely. like they learned. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, they definitely learned from everything that I saw that was that was negative about. CO nationals and, and all the feedback that I heard was mainly the vendors were stuck in the middle, basically in no man's land. Nobody, you had to walk over there specifically for the vendors. So Mm. it didn't, it didn't get the foot traffic that it, that it needed and deserved. So they really put it in a much better place near the bays where everybody was kind of there anyways. So you really got more interactions with, with them, you know, shoot SIG and, and all, all the shooting spots were, were there too, you know, shoots with SIG and MPA had, had bays that you could test fire stuff at. So when you were, when you were bored, you could go do that. And that's the thing. I, I think CMP is nice, but it's still kind of lacking a few things. And, and that's part of it, you know, a good area for vendors, you know, they usually have that one bay. Mm-hmm. But that's really not enough. Like if you want to do shoot SIG and you want to do the build drill challenge and MPA wants to do something, well, now you're having to go over to the pistol range area mm-hmm. and set up over there, which runs into the same problem you just mentioned. Now exactly everybody's headed this way, but the vendors are over here. So it mm-hmm. doesn't work well. Yeah, it definitely it definitely doesn't doesn't quite do do justice to to the sponsors and, and all the vendors that that yeah. put in their hard-earned money and time to, to make this happen. And they're, they're over there sitting in the corner where there's no foot traffic. Yeah, that's not good. Mm-hmm. All right. Now you, after CO Nats, um, you decided to, at what point did you decide, you know what? I'm going to shoot revolver. So it's kind of been in the works <laughs> all year. Oh, uh, kinda, sneaky. Kinda, kind of getting everything together i didn't touch the gun until five weeks before nationals okay i didn't i didn't have the gun in my possession until then and i got my entire belt set up like three weeks before nationals (laughs) all right somewhere on there okay so why why did it i don't want to say take you so long to get the gun but if you it's kind of been in the works then Mm -hmm. Is this a, a certain a special gun that you were waiting on, or it was so? Or we'll we'll kind of jump back onto onto why I decided that I was going to shoot revolver because it's a very okay. It's 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 very you know coming from the outside in, it's very odd that a that a, a production and and grandmaster in carry optics, who is doing fairly well for himself at majors, is going to go shoot a boomer gun for no reason. <laughs> so when I first made GM in production, my father always wanted me to go shoot revolver. He, he thought that revolver, you know, he was, he was just like every other old man. He loved revolvers and he had a great collection of them. He always wanted me to go shoot revolvers. Like, man, okay. I really don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I don't want to shoot revolvers. <laughs> so time passed and I made GM and carry optics. He's like, okay. you need to go make GM and revolver. I'm like, I, I don't, dad, I don't want to. <laughs> I told him, I said, okay, I will make you a deal. If you can find me a gun, here's the gun that I want, which is a Smith and Wesson 929 is an eight shot okay. nine millimeter revolver. I was like, if you can find me the gun that I want for a decent price, we will go in halves and I will go make GM and revolver for you just to make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> that that man spent about a year and a half looking for a gun that he could afford 
because they're 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 all okay. over the place, but they're they're pretty pricey for what they are. Mm. Long long story short, he ended up getting sick and passing away last September. Oh, so damn. sorry about that. I appreciate that. It was it was a it was kind of a long term illness. You know, can, cancer is one of those things that damn. some people can't avoid it. Right. So after his passing, I went and shot open nationals for the first time which was a lot of fun and i'm like all right i know what i have to do next year so i kind of i started getting the ball rolling right after that and i told a buddy Mm. of mine about it and i was like yeah i mean i just can't really afford it and you know i was like you know a 929 is like 1400 bucks brand new right and they're not cheap revolvers so he goes well let me see what i can find he was working at the gun store at the time he said well let me see what i can find about 30 minutes later, I got a text message. He goes, hey, there's a revolver going to be here Tuesday. You're going to shoot revolver nationals. I'm like, okay, here we go. All so right. We we kind of tinkered around with it. I didn't I didn't mess with it because I was too focused on carry optics. So I was like, just keep the revolver until I'm done with my my primary season. And then we'll, we'll work it into it. So then after I shot carry optics and after I shot open, I'm like, all right, give me the revolver. That's why it took so long because I was I was so focused on because I, I knew that if I picked the revolver up, I was going to play with it because it's a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It was some of the oh. most fun I've ever had in a match. Wow. It was, what is that? It's moving from, you know, I've shot auto pistols my entire shooting career. I've shot two matches in limited, which was my very first two matches shooting limited minor. I moved over to production, shot production for four and a half years, then moved over to carry optics. So I've always shot auto pistols. I've always shot basically the same. I went from an M&P to a Shadow 2, and that's all I've shot. So picking up a completely different weapon platform and training with it, it was a lot of fun. Relearning something totally different was a whole lot of fun. Okay. Mm. So you're not turned off by the million moon clips you got to carry on your belt? No, no, I'm not. I had my first match that I shot. So I shot one match before nationals. I shot a local match simply so I could put a couple of rounds down range and kind of get back into the mindset of low cap stage planning. This is a totally different animal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I shot one local match and I carried 128 rounds on my person. I carried 16 moon clips. Oh my gosh. Because, because I was terrified of dropping moon clips and I was going <laughs> to run out. So I carried all of these moon clips on my belt for this local match. And wow. I think, I think I dropped one or two. And so day one of nationals, I carried the exact same loadout. Cause again, I was scared. I didn't want to run out of bullets. <laughs> and then, all right, hold, I got to stop you there. Did any of the revolver guys see you and say anything? No. Okay. Nobody did. But okay. I did see some of their other revolver guys. I'm like, he's only got eight moon clips on his belt. I guess I don't need all 16. <laughs> well, and let's be honest. I mean, eight moon clips. We're still talking 64 bullets. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, That's a yeah. lot. <laughs> so after day one, I got through day one without dropping a single reload. So after day one, I just ran eight moon clips plus one in my pocket for my make ready moon clip. So I carried, you know, okay. I carried nine, nine on me, which got me through every single stage. But nice. I was, I was a little, little worried about, you know, running out of moon clips. And even when, back when I shot production, I ran seven magazines. Wow. I will never not finish a stage because I ran out of bullets. It's not going to happen. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and le- I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I don't know about moon clips. But you can fit seven mags on your belt, and it's not going to slow you down running around. So no, even even with the old production rules that all, everything had to be behind your hip bones, I had magazines from hip bone all the way to the small of my back. I believe it. And it didn't it didn't slow me down. It didn't really cost me anything. I didn't ever use all of them. I think I used them like one time because I fumbled one or something. It was a bigger stage, but I always, no matter if it's a classifier and I only have six shots to shoot, every match, every stage, I start with the exact same amount of ammo. There you go. I mean, when I shoot carry optics, I have four mags on my my belt. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I don't so need do I. 80 rounds. Exactly. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I have two that are my primary right up front. Mm-hmm. And then I've done that where <clears throat> moving into position, I miss that big magwell at the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the bottom of my gun. And the, and the magazine goes flying. You're like, Whoa, yep. oh, mm-hmm. all right, let me just grab another one. <laughs> and in we go. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I, I'm, I totally I'm... understand. I am always going to have more bullets than I need to finish any stage. There was a stage at Kentucky that, so I run MBX magazines that hold 24 plus one. So I have 25 rounds in my shadow two, which is fantastic. I think I reloaded three times at Kentucky because they were all like 23, 24 round stages. I'm like, I'm going to push the limit a little bit. I'm just not going to load and see what happens. There was a stage that I had to load and I was running up range or I guess down range rather. And I went to grab a magazine and I missed the grab and I'm, I moved my belt so violently that all of my magazines came out of my pouches with the exception of the one that was in my hand. And I, I inserted, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I don't have any magazines on my belt now. I can't afford to do anything dumb now. Oh I, goodness! When I finished the stage, I turned around and there are three magazines in a perfect row on the ground. The two from my back pouches and the one that I dropped. Wow! It was you know weird things like that happen all the time. So they do happen. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have enough ammo. Yep. Yeah, I saw someone at a at a major match. Man, how many procedurals did they get? Because they had a malfunction, but they had dropped some magazines and then they, they either put, they did something with the mag. I don't remember if they put it in their mouth or they, they put the mag somewhere they weren't supposed to, mm-hmm. and then got a bunch of procedurals. It, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, was, you know, you could have just dropped the mag, cleared the malfunction. If you need to grab another mag and go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It was probably back, back in the day when, when all the magazines for like production or single stack or whatever had to be behind the hip phones. So if you put a reload, yeah. if you put a magazine in your front pocket, that is a procedural per shot fired because correct back, back in the day it was anyways. Now, now it doesn't matter. Right. Mm. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, I don't, I'm not a fan of, of, the grip angle on a Glock. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm going somewhere with this. This is not a, a Glock bashing moment. This is a good <laughs> gun. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work. You know, the grip, I'm so used to 1911s that the grip angle is just different for me. Absolutely. Um, but you went to a revolver, which is different totally as different. well. So how long did it take you to kind of get that normal reflex of your draw and presentation with the new if, grip. If I'm going to be honest, it was like five draws and dry fire. Son of a, that's cheating. So five draws, I'm, five draws. So you're I a natural revolver guy. <laughs> Apparently so. I'm, I'm a firm believer in humans are adaptable creatures, right? You pick up a gun and with enough training, you can, you can learn, new things you know you don't yeah. you don't pick up a 1911 and try to open the cylinder on it you don't you don't pick up a revolver and try to you don't you don't pick up a revolver and try to flick the thumb safety off like you pick it up you know what it is you can kind of adapt to it right. i just happen to have a, a little some 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 of my buddies like to say i have the tism which i might you know this is what it is but i just have the ability to really process what's going on and be able to adapt how I grip things. Now, there were a couple of things that I had to change in my grip, like my thumb placement, my finger placement, how I drew the gun. There were certain things that I had to adjust for the revolver, but getting that that initial index, five draws, you know, five, maybe, you know, maybe five minutes in dry fire, just, you know, very slow. I'm like, all right, so it's pointing weird that time. Let me adjust my grip a little bit. All right, that's where it needs to be. Perfect. All right, here we go. Okay. Now you you see in with semi-auto guns, mm-hmm. some people go down and grab the grip and draw Isaac, and others will do a scoop draw. Mm-hmm. What's the draw on a revolver look like? Up and down. So I call it a stab. Okay. You, know, you go you go up past it and then stab back down on stab it. it. Exact same draw that I do for for my shadow too. 
Okay. I've I've tried scoop draws. They're fast. They look fantastic. Yeah. They don't really save you anything unless you're shooting a build drill, unless you're shooting something like that that is a it is simply a draw to first shot. Scoop draws don't really get you anything, right? Because you're always 90% of the time you're moving on your draw. And I cannot consistently scoop the gun and get a good solid grip on it every time. Now, if I, if I stab okay. it, it is 10 out of 10 consistent every time. A scoop draw, I might get 8 out of 10 just super fast, super consistent, but those two are really bad. <laughs> and it goes back to what we <laughs> talked about earlier, which is execution. Exactly. So. Exactly. He's, you know, some people can do it. I know a bunch of people that can, can scoop draw a single stack gun a hundred percent of the time, super reliable. It is what it is. I'm not, I'm not willing to dedicate that time to, to training it because I don't think that it really saves you anything in normal matches and normal stages. Okay. Mm. Now your weak hand on or your support hand, whatever you want to call it, mm. when when you're shooting freestyle, mm. how different is your support hand grip compared to a semi-auto? Very. It's I had so I changed the grips on my revolver from the stock ones. I put some VZs on it, which is the same grips that I run in on my Shadow Twos. And okay. I just pretty much just had to just mash my fingertips because it's not as much, the grip isn't as long or as wide as a Shadow 2 or basically any other auto pistol. So when I grip the revolver, my fingertips are almost touching the back of my palm. So there's not much space for my, for my weak hand to go. So right. I was basically just on top of my fingertips. Now my middle finger has a permanent callus. Like I don't have any feeling in that fingertip, like typing. I, I can't feel it because the callus is so thick from just crushing it down on the grips over Whoa. severe dry fire and severe match pressures. What's the recoil difference between your CZ and your 929? It's a very odd feeling. So, you know, when you shoot, when you shoot a pistol, you have a, the slide reciprocating back and forth, right? The revolver, there's nothing moving. So it's more of a, <laughs> right? it's more of a, it's more of a, a lift than it is a push. It's okay. the best way. That's the best way I can describe it. It's a very weird recoil impulse going from a Shadow Two or any other auto pistol. I I owned a three. No, I'm sorry, a forty four mag three inch snub nose revolver back in the eighties, mm -hmm. and it was extreme vertical recoil, like almost straight up in the air recoil. Mm -hmm. It was really odd. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very odd, definitely a very odd feeling. You know, a, a pistol. I, I would I would guess you have a a more of a a push and a tilt with that slide. Yeah, whereas, yeah, that's a good. Whereas a whereas the the revolver, it's more of just just kind of eh or and eh, depending on how you want to grip it. Right. So for me, for me, it was more of a of an up than it was a back push. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself shooting revolver more now? I will. I am considering. Don't quote me on this, but I am considering okay. shooting nationals again next year in revolver. Shooting okay. Shooting nationals again. Man, it was the most fun I've had. Uh, when I when I <laughs> shot when I shot the when I shot my local match two weeks before nationals, I came off of every stage giggling like a twelve year old. Cause it was just so much fun. There was so much stuff going on, but it was going so slowly. It was great. I, I would have thought they would have updated their website. Cause I was going to look at the dates, mm -hmm. but it's actually, it might, maybe it's on the homepage. Yeah. I didn't see down. I didn't see it on there, but yeah, let me I thought... look. I think I have a screenshot from where they, or a picture from where they posted it at nationals. Yeah, because I thought that it's basically the same. Um, I think I think it is. Dates. I know that I know that Carry Optics is going to be back in Ohio, and yep. I know same time frame. Same time frame, and I, here it is. So let's see. I think the only difference is I think the dates like 
Open was in early September. Now I think that's handgun nationals. And I think open is mid October now. Is that right? Exactly. So yeah. Handgun nationals is September 13th through 15th. There you go. And open and PCC is October 18th and 20th. Yeah. They they just, they just, they just switched those. Flip those two matches. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to next year's. I, I was very blessed to be able to shoot all three nationals this year. And I'd like to do it again next year if possible. Okay. What about Ipsic Nationals? So my my carry optics gun is not legal for Ipsic. I have some work done to it. That's not that's not Ipsic legal. And mm. the time frame just didn't quite work out for me this year. I might consider it next year. I might might build another top end for my Shadow Two to make it legal. I'd have to do some more digging into the rules. Okay. Let's see. Did you see Jay's posts about um, Ipsic and Revolver? I did see that. I did. Yeah. It looks like it, it, it can be difficult <laughs> to figure out. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no. It doesn't, it doesn't sound fun to do that digging because what, you know, what we know to be legal in USPSA is a totally different rule set. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting that he said, you know, he actually has a greater appreciation for the USPSA rule book now mm-hmm. than he did trying to decipher what Ipsic was saying. Yeah, it's so. a, that was a very interesting comment that he made. And I've heard several other people have basically said the same thing. And it's from what I've heard, it's really dependent on where you're where you are, how they interpret the rules. So some some countries might read the rules differently than some other countries. So I believe, I want to say that aftermarket barrels are not legal, but there's a weird specification to there where some countries might say yes, some countries might say no. So I'm not 100% sure on that, but it would definitely take some digging. I think I think my think the only thing that keeps my Shadow 2 from being legal is I put top cocking serrations on my slide. So I took my cocking serrations and went over the top with them as well. And that's any, I believe any aftermarket milling like that is not allowed. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's weird because that's like saying area six allows aftermarket barrels. Area seven doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was very odd. And I, I think it might have something to do with who's running gear check that day. Versus who, you know, who did it somebody somewhere else. You know, everybody has their own interpretations of of the rule book, I guess. Okay. Yeah, very so, weird. Yeah, that is weird. I, I That's hard to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that inconsistency. Now, you went back to Marengo and you shot handgun nationals. Mm-hmm. Now, Obviously, they made changes with the vendor area, you said, things like that, made that better for them. Did you do anything different in your planning for going there that you learned the first time? Like, did you go, did you stay somewhere different? Did you stay in a different area? Did you, you know what I mean? So when I went for Care Optics Nationals, I went by myself and I stayed in Mount Vernon, which is about 35 minutes northeast of the range oh so away from columbus away from i wanted to get away from columbus (laughs) okay so i went i went and stayed there it was it was very nice it was very quiet little town you had everything that i needed you had a walmart straight across the street from my hotel great okay great great spot to be this year or this nationals i went with a buddy of mine his wife and i brought my mother along with me since it this meant match meant a lot to us so I brought her along for it. Okay. We got an Airbnb in downtown Columbus. Oh, an, in, an interesting experience. We had no problems living in Memphis. I'm not really too worried about it. It's kind of <laughs> right. used to it. I work. I works directly in downtown Memphis, so it's it's like my normal day to day life. We walked. You could walk out of the back door of our Airbnb, and you could see downtown Columbus, a half mile, maybe a mile away. But okay. It was very convenient for, you know, we're right next to restaurants and stuff like that. It was like 35 minutes away from the range as well. So it was a lot of fun. You know, we were able to go to, to a nice steakhouse Friday night and in downtown Columbus. And it was, it was very, very good. 
very very nice and be able to just sit down and enjoy you know kind of some local some local stuff in in a different city until next time don't be a little bitch yeah Thank mm-hmm. you.